0: chumba casino.com. by law plus Website for details. When I was doing the research for the episodes on the contested election of 1876, the episode on My History Can Beat Up Your Politics called The Congress Counts where we talk about the counting of electoral votes. Um, I was looking into that disputed election. Of course, there's a flurry of cartoons, particularly from Harper's Magazine, but other places. And they're a great way to get insight into how politics were viewed at the time, the kind of emotional tenor of politics at the time. Harper's, of course, was pro-Hayes and anti-Tilden. That means, in other words, they were pro-Republican, anti-Democrat. And I noticed a cartoon with a bunch of people running down the street, uh, one with a top hat and a bag of money. <laughs> In that cartoon, the Democratic National Chairman, Congress a- Congressman Abraham Hewitt of New York, dispatched John Hoffman, former New York governor, who's sprinting while carrying orders for himself and Senator William Barnum of Connecticut to buy or count one more electoral vote for Democrat Tilden. So they're going down there to corrupt the election is the key. And that's fine. And that's in line with other cartoons that I saw. But there was a short man in the background, you know, running along with him. And it is kind of the way it happens sometimes with this cast. I wanted to know more about the story of this guy, this obscure little figure. You know, who was he? And... It turned out to be a treasure trove. It was a heck of a story. The man in the cartoon is John Morrissey. And he's a former champion prize fighter, hence his broken nose in the cartoon. But he's also the head of the Irving Hall political machine in New York City. Now there's a reason that Thomas Nast, the cartoonist, is including him, John Morrissey, in this cartoon. It's that... He needs to tie Samuel Tilden to Tammany Hall, that evil political machine that was so ill-regarded at the time in late 19th century politics. But it's hard to do with Samuel Tilden because he's a Democrat. But he's the governor who took on Boss Tweed and put him in jail. He took on Tammany. So the way to do it For cartoonist Thomas Nash is to find this other figure, Morrissey, who was originally with Tammany Hall, but now headed up his own political machine, a rival organization called the Irving Hall Political Machine. Morrissey was a longtime supporter of Tilden, and since Morrissey had a former affiliation with Tammany Hall, he represented enough political corruption to put him in the cartoon. It was a weak connection for those nuanced in New York politics, but at the same time, it was enough for Nast. Morrissey was no saint, but he does have an interesting story. His rise from Irish boxer to political head and multimillionaire is interesting and provides insight into New York City politics in the late 19th century. And it's interesting if you want to understand American politics in the late 19th century because New York had so many electoral votes and so much of the American population was in this one city that the politics of New York City was in many ways the politics of the nation. Several elections turned on New York and, of course, 1876 was one of those. We think of Tammany Hall controlling at least some of the votes in New York City and New York State, we think of them as one mind, one group, one machine, and it was organized, but it was also conflicted at times, particularly after its leader, Boss Tweed, was jailed in 1872. John Kelly was the man who succeeded Boss Tweed, but Morrissey battled him for control of the Democratic Party in New York City. And in 1875, Morrissey broke with Kelly and formed his own political machine, which had become known as Irving Hall. Morrissey was born in Ireland in 1831 and immigrated and came to Troy, New York, as a youth working in a factory. But he did more. He also joined a street gang, and he was pretty good at fighting. He worked as a cargo thief and as a collection agent for Irish crime bosses in Troy. Before he was 18, he had been indicted twice for burglary, once for assault and battery, and once for assault with intent to kill. Along with his criminal and ferocious fighting abilities, Morrissey also displayed ambition, teaching himself to read and write, while working as a bouncer in a brothel in Troy. After spending two months in jail, he left for New York City. So good was he in those gang fights that he moved to New York City in 1849 and became a professional prize fighter. Now, you have to understand, at this time, prize fights aren't like, you know, glamorous and 15 rounds and they ring a bell. Prize fights were bare knuckle events with rounds lasting until one man fell down. And matches ending only when one boxer could not return on his feet to the center of the ring. Purses could be in the hundreds, and eventually, for people like Morrissey, would get to the thousands. A lot of money in the 1850s. In 1853, Morrissey became the American boxing champion by defeating Yankee Sullivan in 37 rounds. Yeah, you heard that right. 37 rounds. <laughs> There was big money in the prizes for an Irish immigrant. But he also found steady income as a shoulder hitter for Tammany Hall. Shoulder hitter was the guy that would go around and enforce the machine's will with intimidation. He became famous for his fighting, for his tenacity. One time Morrissey was in a saloon brawl and he and another guy knocked over a stove while they were going at it. And Morrissey is pinned over the coals and smoke starts coming from his clothes that are on fire, filling the room. He perseveres and ends up winning the fight. From then on, he's nicknamed Old Smoke. Like so many in the 1850s, from New York, he goes to California. And he didn't find much gold there, but he won a lot of money gambling and as a professional prize fighter earning $4,000 prize and 1000 from a side bet. A lot of money in that time. And like any good Irishman, he used the opportunity to take a stab at the British as well. He was unsuccessful, though. He got an armed schooner and a crew of hoodlums and tried to take the gold-rich Queen Charlotte Islands off the coast of British Columbia. But he returns to New York. And upon his return to New York, this is where some of the movie... You may have seen Gangs of New York, Daniel Day Lewis comes into play. Though Morrissey is not represented by any of the characters in that movie, he's kind of represented in different ways by several characters. You know, the movie features um, a very, you know, pugnacious boxing fellow who could be Morrissey, except he's way too much of a, a. a second fiddle man to be uh to be Morrissey, and Morrissey wanted to lead not uh not follow, but it's Morrissey who does kill the character that is best represented by Daniel day Lewis's character in that movie, Bill the Butcher Pool. He was a champion boxer and in eighteen fifty five uh Bill Poole was leading the Bowery Boys, which was an anti immigrant know nothing party, and it was the enforcement arm for them, it's going to be in a street brawl between Morrissey's Dead Rabbits gang and Bill Poole's Bowery Boys that Poole is killed, likely by Morrissey or or someone near him. So it's kind of the exact reverse of what happens in the movie, but that's all right, you know, a little license, right? After this, in 1858, Morrissey's going to pocket $5,000 for making a side bet in a boxing match that he's in, and he retires from the boxing ring as the champion. He uses those winnings to become the owner of several saloons and gambling houses, pays the police to ignore his legal gambling operation. Reportedly, Morrissey becomes a millionaire within five years. He also invests his money in real estate. And in 1863, he opens the Saratoga Springs Racing Track, which helped revitalize the sport in the Civil War North. But he decides to jump into politics directly, and he's elected as a Democrat to the first of two terms in Congress between 1867 and 1871. And he's becoming one of the most important politicians in Tammany in New York. I mean... People are beginning to take notice of him well before he becomes a congressman on the national scene. He was so powerful within the Irish community in New York, and this was known by people outside New York that Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln used to tell the story of a Tammany man announcing his upcoming marriage, but who was met with a troubled look from a fellow member. Ain't you glad to know that I'm getting married, said the first man. Of course I am. But have you asked Morrissey yet? So, he was even on Lincoln's radar. Morrissey is smart, though, and he begins to see that Tammany Hall's in trouble. And in 1870, before revelations of the Tweed Ring corruption became public, Morrissey joins a faction called the Young Democracy that revolted against Boss Tweed's rule and wants to make Tammany Hall a more democratic organization. Tweed learns of their plot to unseat him and use policemen to prevent young democracy members from entering the building on the night of their planned coup. The rebel organization folds, and Morrissey's unable to run for re-election for Congress. But he's starting something now in 1874. Now with Tweed locked up, he begins to battle with John Kelly, his replacement, and he questions and he questions in particular the wisdom of Tammany Hall's selection of. In 1874, with Tweed locked up now, Morrissey's a powerful figure and begins to battle with John Kelly, who is Tweed's replacement. Particularly, he doesn't like the selection of a fellow named William Wickham as the Democratic mayoral candidate. He'd rather have one of his own. He'd rather have an Irishman. Boss Kelly attempts to appease Morrissey by backing one of his friends, James Hayes, for the office of City Register. But Hayes loses the race. And it's not just that, but Hayes had to pay $15,000 to Tammany Hall to run. Now, normally, you get that back if you don't win. Kelly doesn't return it. Not only that, he doesn't appoint his friend Hayes to another position in government, which would have been standard Tempting Hallway. So Morrissey begins badmouthing Kelly on the street, claiming he'd lost touch with ordinary voters, particularly the Irish. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, by law, 80 plus, and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for the New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian, Rana Mitter, joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-off launches April 9th. One day, Morrissey goes to visit the mayor, but he's barred from entry because he lacked a calling card. Uh, those days, that's what you needed to uh, to go visit someone, particularly a high official. And he replies to the office staff, "Well, give my compliments to His Honor Mayor Wickham and ask him to tell Billy Wickman that when John Morrissey has time to put on French airs, he may call again." Morrissey doesn't stop there. He's really offended. And he comes a few days later dressed in formal attire, a swallowtail coat, white kid gloves, patent leather shoes, carrying a large book. And he informed someone who asks, I've just bought a French dictionary to help me talk to our dandy mayor. I'm going in full dress to make a call. For now, that is the style at the Hotel Wickham. No Irish need apply now. This time, Mayor Wickham... (laughs) The mayor warms him welcoming and apologizes for the understanding. But insulting Tammany started a major war. Kelly's not amused. He takes Morrissey's behavior with the mayor as a personal affront. He revives a new commi- an, an old committee, the Tammany Hall Committee on Discipline, usually inactive, to investigate Morrissey. Later this summer, the committee determined... The party discipline's weak in Morrissey's district, and he'd been working against the interest in Tammany Hall, and Morrissey's ejected. So he he founds his uh, rival machine, the Irving Hall democracy, which soon attracted Samuel Tilden and other major and wealthy New York Democrats dissatisfied with Tammany Hall. Morrissey also runs runs in 1875 for New York state legislature, and wins in Posse Tweed's old district. (laughs) When critics charge that he could only be elected in such a safe district in 1877, he runs and wins in another district, (laughs) upsetting a well-known Tammany politician, August Schell. Had Tilden reached the presidency, we may know even more. He might have had a greater role in that presidency in that White House, perhaps. Um, but, but that is the end of Morrissey's career in 1878, a few months into his second legislative term, Morrissey died quite an American political character. I want to thank you for subscribing to the premium podcast and, um, it, it helps a great deal to support what I'm doing here. Thanks for listening.